We have before us in, to, in the lesson from John's Gospel, chapter 6, a really remarkable passage. Of course, all of the Bible uh, is remarkable from the beginning to the end. It is God-breathed. But I'll lift up this particular passage that we read today because we find therein one of the really great questions in all of the Bible, one of the most uh, important questions that any God-fearing man or woman could possibly ask uh, in their life. And the question is, verse 28, what must we be doing to be doing the works of God? And while I've never really uh, preached a full sermon on, on this a verse and passage, I have taught on it and I have referred to it many, many times, but it needs to be preached and taught, I believe, with unflagging diligence, because if we fail to grasp uh, Jesus' answer to this uh, supreme question that the Jews put before uh, Jesus, if we fail to grasp the, uh, the, the complete meaning of this answer, then we really will fail to grasp uh, the meaning of the Christian faith in life. Jesus had just exhorted the Galilean Jews to uh, strive for food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. He didn't say strive to, for the food which endures to the Son of Life, which you can earn uh, with a little effort and by doing uh, a little bit of good works. He said instead, strive, strive for food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, pointing to himself, will give you. And I'm reminded uh, already of something that C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, A Mind Awake. Uh, He was speaking of his beloved wife when he said, Long ago, before we were married, Helen was haunted all one morning as she went about her work with this obscure sense, so to speak, of God at her elbow demanding her attention. And of course, not being a perfected saint, she had the feeling that it would be a question, as it usually is, of some unrepented sin or tedious duty. But the message was, Helen, I want to give you something. And instantly she entered into joy. But the Galileans didn't get this. They reveal their ignorance of grace. They say, in effect, perhaps in a supercilious, haughty kind of voice. Okay, you talk about this food which endures to eternal life, then why don't you tell us what we be doing to earn it? What must we be doing to be doing the works of God? Now, it's easy to come down on the Jews who didn't get it. But think about how you might have expected Jesus to respond had you asked that question that day. I'd have thought that this would be the place where he would give us maybe the summary of the law. And you say, okay, this is the first work of God, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor thyself. Or expected maybe he would have possibly quoted that famous verse in Micah that you see etched in stones of stately buildings. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly and so forth? But no, Jesus didn't answer in this manner. He said simply, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Well, from the get-go, 
there has always been a resistance to the radical nature of Jesus' reply. It's little wonder that the motto, deeds over creeds, has captured the imagination of teachers in the church today. Deeds, of course, being what we do. Creeds being what we believe. Deeds over creeds. Just last Sunday, as I was traveling on the interstate back to Alabama from South Carolina, I heard as I entered the the Atlanta area, I heard a college campus chaplain preacher, who, by the way, was a very powerful a preacher, a lot of charisma, a lot of charm. He was telling congregation of young students that the true Christian life is not so much what he or she believes, but what he or how, but rather how he or she leads their, lives their lives. And I'm, and it sounded wonderful. And I'm saying to myself, I'm find myself speaking out of the radio. No way. I mean, it was well intended, of course. But if that is a false Christianity, I mean, God forbid now that Christianity should be creeds of expensive deeds, but it simply cannot be gainsay that Jesus thought that what we believe is important above all else. He said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Now, believing on him is tantamount to having faith in him. And that carries with it no small measure of love to Christ. And this kind of belief is not just mere assent to doctrinal truth that Jesus is the Messiah. But this is a humble turning to Christ as your only possible hope for deliverance from sin and death. And I want to propose two fundamental reasons why Jesus' answer is true. That the most important thing that we could ever do in this life is to believe in Jesus whom he has sent. First, it honors God. I mean, how could my works ever please or, or honor the Father if we did not love or believe in the Son, who is the very flesh and blood of God on earth? And I've used the example before, but suppose you go home tonight if you're married and your spouse comes to you and says, look, I'm going to rededicate my life to doing good things for you. But I also need to tell you, I don't believe in you anymore. I don't love you anymore. Would you be pleased? You might be pleased that the lawn is cut. You might be pleased that the cows have been milked. But I doubt you'd be pleased with this spouse. Jesus is God's son, whom he gave for the redemption of the world at a great cost. Can we ever point to our good works after we have said, no, Jesus didn't necessarily have to die for my redemption, my own. I'll let my lifestyle speak for itself. Could the Father be honored? Could the Father be honored if we say, I don't need to hide behind the cross of Jesus. My good deeds are sufficient for the well-being of my soul. Could the Father be honored? Now, God is pleased when the hungry are fed, of course, and God is pleased when the poor have been helped, of course. But unless we honor the Son with our heart, God cannot be honored by the man doing the good deeds. Article 13, 39 articles. Works done before the grace of Christ are not pleasant to God for so much as they spring not of faith. So the first reason why it is true that believing in Christ is the work of God 
is because it is honored. It, it, uh, this is the way God is honored. And the second reason why it is true that believing Christ is the work of God is because this is the means by which a sinner is justified. In Galatians, the apostle wrote, A man is not justified by works, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Now, we could recite passage after passage after passage uh, of verses just like that, all pointing to the fact that belief in Christ is the way this poor, erring, struggling sinner standing in the pulpit right at this moment can enter into the presence of God without fear of condemnation. Suppose John 3.16 went something like this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him and does at least an acceptable amount of good works should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if that were the case, who would know whether he or she has a sufficiency of good works? To the latest hour, we would live in fearful suspense about the state of our soul. But let us give God the glory. But that's not what John 3.16 said. To quote St. Peter, Christ died the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Christ died the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. For that reason alone. Peter had confidence before God. Imagine this same Peter. Imagine St. Paul. Imagine anyone else in the whole Bible resting the destiny of their souls on their own good works. Go home and read the 11th chapter, entire 11th chapter of Hebrews. And see if you can see anything but the virtue of faith as a means of righteousness before God. Here's the bottom line. Belief in Christ is the work of God because by it and by it alone we become children of God. Well, this passage, in this passage, the Galilean Jews reflect human nature. It's simply human nature that we don't can't fully put grasp our minds around this. And this, this is why we, be, we need to be uh, reminded of this time and time again. Our chief work in the eyes of God is to believe that the work has already been done. In this way, we honor God. By this way, the sinner is justified. Now, in closing, let me say, methinks I hear an objector. That's to borrow from Charles Simeon. Uh, He used to often say at the close of his sermons, methinks I hear an objector. Perhaps someone is saying, please don't tell me that good works don't mean anything. Well, let me say to you that your good works do mean a lot, but not from merit before God. They mean mean a lot when they flow from a heart of humble gratitude. And this is the heart that glorifies our Father who is in heaven. Jesus said it just as Crystal clear as he could. This is the work of God. As you believe in him whom he has sent. May God draw reluctant hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this for Jesus' sake. Amen.